What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today, we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates as I continue my breakdown of every single rotation in the major leagues for fantasy baseball in 2024. And of course, to begin with this, uh, we're going to talk about Mitch Keller, but if you're not watching me live as I do these in the morning at playback.tv slash pitchless, you're doing it wrong. I go through video of every single pitcher, showcase my process for doing research and all these guys, and I get to talk to you, the chat, about your fantasy teams, about your takes on all these players. So go check it out, playback.tv slash pitchless. I'm doing this every single weekday morning, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern time. In addition, I'll have some surprise streams, including, I don't know, talking to Pablo Lopez one-on-one December 6th uh, at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And we're going to go over his game pitch by pitch. Guys, you got to be there. It's absolutely free. It's going to be a great time. That's playback.tv slash pitcherlist. But Mitch Keller, honestly, this is a very uh, tough rotation. Um, There are some actual guys at the back end we're going to talk about who are maybe exciting and guys you should know about um, on the Pittsburgh Pirates, but really the one that's going to get drafted and probably the only one, I think, um, is Mitch Keller. And I want to love Mitch Keller. I truly, truly do. It's still so weird for me. The way I see Mitch Keller is he has this fastball that has a near 15% swing strike rate. That's more so because he utilizes it nearly half the time in two strikes. That is, when he throws a four-seamer, half of those are in two-strike counts, which are more susceptible to fastball whiffs upstairs, especially when he's not throwing that four-seamer in counts already. Maybe it's a sinker, maybe it's a cutter, a breaking ball, which means they haven't really seen that straight one yet, and they're more deceived by what pitch that is, which makes sense. That means he's really squeezing the most out of this pitch. Think like Chris Bassett's four-seamer. Where that's more of a surprise two-strike pitch. Mitch Keller kind of utilizes it in the same way. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't think he really should be saving this pitch. I think it is a very good offering if he can throw it high lock. And I think he can dominate more if he utilizes it more than 25% of the time. I don't love his sinker. The sinker from Mitch Keller is uh, okay. It sometimes falls into the zone too often and gets bombarded. Keep in mind, none of his pitches, save for his cutter, have an ICR below 40%. That includes the slider. That is not good. ICR, of course, being ideal contact rate when pitches are hit. Is it good or bad for the for the batter? You want it to be under 40%. Generally, you see like a 35%, you're cool with it. If it's under 30%, my gosh, that is a beautiful offering, right? And Mitch Keller doesn't have anything underneath that. Uh, the sinker gets hit a good a number of times and doesn't quite utilize it the way that I would want him to. It should be a lot of front hip stuff or really just always inside, right? And uh, yeah, I think Mitch Keller needs to refine it a little bit. But the thing is, the cutter is so good. I really, really, really like Mitch Keller's cutter. It's his catch-all pitch. There are times in those double-digit strikeout games where the cutter is unreal. We're talking like a 90-mile-per-hour slider-looking thing that is just tighter and better located um, it's not loopy, but it's like almost like the Worthen slider from like DeGrom um, when that thing is cooking and he gets it down in glove side a ton. I think it's his best commanded pitch. So when that works, everything kind of clicks in because batters are so aware of that pitch and then it opens up the door for everything else. But it's not always there. And that's really an issue for Mitch Keller. Um, also, he has a tendency to throw a little bit too much in the zone and just be like, okay, fine, I'm just going to throw this in there. And that's why he had a near nine hit per nine. 
when I think about guys who are going to have low whips traditionally, it's you have to have a low walk rate, so underneath 8%, and you have to have a hit per nine that is 7.5 or lower. I mean, traditionally just under eight, and I can believe that. And Mitch Keller is not going to be under eight. It was 8.7 this past year. It was over nine the previous year. He really needs to take another step forward somewhere to, uh, you know, because the ICR is just so high with Mitch Keller. So all in all, I see someone that should have a well above a 20% strikeout rate again, probably closer to like 23% or so. Like a strikeout in inning is okay. You're going to see that because you're going to have those amazing double-digit strikeout games, which are going to nullify the five strikeout games or so that you're going to see from Keller. Or And then you have that paired with a high whip again. Um, the ERA, I can't really tell you um, because he could go on a long enough stretch in those middling starts. That should be fine. Hopefully he avoids those eight earned runs, seven earned run clunkers that we saw this past year. And then there's the wins. The wins are not going to be good. It is the Pirates. It is going to affect him. So considering I see volatility, there is a path where there's consistency. Mitch Keller has improved each year theoretically, or just not really theoretically, but it's been small increments, but I do think there are better versions of him every single year. There is an outside chance the Pirates finally say, you know what, we could get an amazing haul from Mitch Keller right now. We're just going to do that um, because they are not going to be competitive with this rotation, as we'll find out in a moment. So there is a chance that Mitch Keller is something that you really want to go for in fantasy. But for me, he is outside of that four that I'm really going for. He's outside my top 50 because of it. I just see too much volatility. It's going to be a conversation the entire entire year about how good Mitch Keller is. I don't think I'm going to believe that his command is consistent start to start enough. And because of that, uh, I'm not going to be buying too much in Mitch Keller unless there is a giant shift in how he uses stuff. Tread Athletics works with him. I really hope that they fine-tune something in there. Maybe the slider that is such a nice offering binds its uh, consistency because that pitch can be so good. 16% usage. Up that usage. I mean, really, I think Mitch Keller should be a four-seamer cutter slider guy. That's it. Get rid of the sinker. Maybe save it 10% of the time. But those three pitches with the slider actually getting a lot of strikes, I think that's it. And uh, I don't know if we're going to see it. I, I hope so. But uh, I don't know. I don't know if we will. Um, there are other guys to talk about here. Of course, there's um, no one else in this rotation. <laughs> I mean, seriously, the, the other ones are just so bad. I feel like the number two that we're going to see the most consistently is is likely Bailey Falter. And Falter just doesn't do anything exciting. Uh, it's a 90 mile per hour fast one, maybe 91. None of his pitches get over a 15% swing strike rate. He has a deep-ish mix. It's a changeup, but really it's a slider and a curveball that he mixes in a ton. And he's trying to nibble a lot. The curveball and slider may be good enough, but the slider often is just, ah, uh, it's very pedestrian. And it makes for a starter who will throw enough strikes that he'll have an opportunity to go five or six innings in a given night, especially with the Pirates saying, like, look, we need to find innings. Billy Falter, give us whatever you can get. But at the very best, it's a Vargas rule at some point where we play the matchups with him. He's the guy who's going to be on your waiver wire the entire year. Again, remember, wins are not going to be easy to get for the Pirates. I know last year we're like, oh man, the Pirates offense is good all of a sudden. Yeah, maybe they are. Maybe. Maybe I should be getting rid of this whole win thing because Sawinski is amazing and Cabrian Hayes gets finally better and some other guys and O'Neill Cruz returns and so on and so forth. But yeah, yeah. You understand the whole point here. But yeah, Bailey Falter, if you're desperate in a quality start league, like he at least will have opportunities to go six frames. He's also efficient enough that is he throws enough strikes that he can go six without eclipsing 90 pitches. 
um, which is a big part of being able to go six frames in the first place. So I don't I don't really like Bailey Falter much. There's sometimes when he goes high four seamers and he can get those whips. We've seen like a 10% rate in the past, but it was eight percent or so last year. It's just so boring, and there's no way I'm touching him in a 12 teamer. Uh, we have other guys to talk about. We have these former electric arms um, in Ruan C. Contreras and uh Luis Ortiz. And that's really the only ones I can really lock in for the rotation. We have some very interesting prospects I really want to get into. I'm going to talk about all of that after this break. So the second one we have to talk about is Luis Ortiz. Uh, 90 mile per hour heater, 25% swing strike rate on his slider is what we saw in 2022. And then it all took a step back last year, um, both in withability and velocity. Um, ICR rates were like 30, no, actually almost say 25% in 2022. Which made me think, huh, maybe like Ortiz's sinker is just so hard to hit and the slider's getting like a 25% swing strike rate. So maybe. But then, um, yeah, no. It all took a massive setback. The velocity went down. The ICR was so bad on his four-seamer. I mean, it was just all terrible. Um, and it really breaks the Waskari Noah rule. I don't think his fastball sinker are any good. So it's just the slider that we're really hoping to be excellent. And it was like a 14% swing strike rate last year. And bleh, he's got to be way different. And this is the thing I say all the time is I'm not going to draft guys that need to be way different if their ceiling is still in question if they are way different. I'm going to go for the ones that say like, look, this is the thing that needs to be different. And if this is different, then they're great. Then okay. But even with Luis Ortiz, like let's say we get back 2022 the 98 mile per hour heater wasn't really a big whiff pitch anyway. So it was still just a two pitch mix with only one whiff ability pitch that is a slider. And that's just not enough for me. I don't want to chase Luis Ortiz. He will have a game or two. And that will happen a lot. Like every single pitcher is a major leaguer for a reason. It's very rare to find a starter in the majors who does not have at least one moment of bliss throughout the first couple months of the year. That turn heads may make you think maybe this actually could work. Luis Ortiz might have that, but whew, yeah, this is not going to, I'd be very shocked if it stuck around. And then his counterpart, Ruanzi Contreras, there's a lot of debate after 2022, like, who do we want, Ruanzi or, or Luis Ortiz? I was like, neither. But uh, they both break their Oscar and Noah rule, right? And Contreras really does have a beautiful slider. It's, I think it's better commanded than Luis Ortiz's. In 2021, we saw 96 and 97 on his fastball, by the way, came down to 95 in 2022. And then in 2023, we saw Contreras lose his velocity through the year. He started in the beginning, shifted to the bullpen, then got sent down to the minors for the second half, where his final AAA start, he sat 93. I mean, you can't do that. You really, really can't. Um, Ronzi does have better command, of a better foundation of command, I think, than Luis Ortiz. So if he's able to get back to 96, 97, I think there is some promise for that actually being a good enough fastball to allow the slider to, to cook. But yeah, I just don't want to do it. I, I really think the fastball is just too rough. Um, I, the velocity is a big, big ask at this point. And I just, again, not a good team situation, right? He's not the kind of guy you want to be chasing at the moment. Um, on the fringe, uh, you have JT Brewbaker, Coffee Cakes, who should show up halfway through the season um, as he got his Tommy John in April of 23. Uh, I mean, same idea. Really good slider and no good fastball. I mean, the sinker was not well-located enough. ICR rates were well over 40% on it. No whiffs. So tons of hits on it. This is not the kind of guy you want. I know he had that really nice run in the beginning of 2021. It was like two bad starts, and all of a sudden he went on like an eight-game stretch. That was cool, but 
yeah, no, that was a five plus ERA by the end of the year. Brubaker is not the game guy you want to, um, the game you want to chase or the guy you want to uh, roster on your team. And Quinn Priester got so many starts because the Pirates needed something, and he was arguably the worst player to chase at the time. There are moments when Priester showcases why he was highly regarded at certain points in his career, where he has a gyro slider that can be absolutely nasty, um, and then he has a 96 mile per hour sinker at times. But the thing is, his fastball. He's very vertical uh, focused. Like, it's a true sinker. Less of, like, the actual massive arm break ones. And his four-seamer doesn't get induced vertical break. It's actually more of a just a cut than anything else. It doesn't quite cross over the the x-axis line, or the y-axis line, I should say, from going from positive to negative on the x-axis. What I mean is that it, it does it actually go and get glove side movement sometimes. And... I, I kind of feel like Quinn needs to figure out how to utilize that four-seamer better. It needs to be something that either lives down or lives inside to lefties. Um, maybe away to righties, he needs to lean into it more. It's it's a cut-action four-seamer that needs to be a true cutter instead of what it is right now. Because when that makes a mistake, it is the juiciest four-seamer you've ever seen in your life. Um, then you have a slider that's more of like a gyro that is, again, really nice. Um and a bigger curveball, but not consistent. I mean, command was just so bad for Priester. And that sinker coming in at 96 was a rarity. He got this really nice whiff with Acuna. Um, but it was okay. Like, that is like, oh, that's a nice thing. And then just completely goes away. So Priester has so many things to fix. I don't really see a true starter here unless, like, he's just absolutely spotting everything. It's not going to happen. So you should really stay away from Quinn Priester. If something changes and he has that amazing game, and great, we'll be aware of it. But again, entering the year, it's uh, especially with guys like Priester and on the Pirates who are not going to be drafted. And even when they do well, will likely get ignored. Uh, you can depend on the SP roundups in season for me to tell you, yeah, this guy's actually very interesting. And we can talk about that one. Um, there are three... There are three Pittsburgh prospects that I think are more considerable. I mean, they really are like five or six. I'm just going to focus on three of them. Uh, the first one's not the exciting one. It's Jackson Wolf. Um, he was acquired for the Padres midseason last year, and he kind of looks like Sean Maniah, where it's 89-mile-per-hour fastballs from the left side, kind of slings it, and he has a slow slider and a changeup in there, too. I, I just don't think it's all that great. <laughs> there really isn't too much to like about it. Um... There's a possibility of him missing more bats with the with the fastball and the big breaker can work, but this is very pedestrian in my view, and it's just not really something that I want to go for. Now, there's obviously Paul Skeens, and there's going to be a lot of conversation about him, I'm sure, about is he going to start for the Pirates? How good is he? He was obviously, um, I believe, the number one overall pick last year. If not, it was like number three, something like that, um, for the Pirates, and he went into what was it? it was like high a single a two games and then he had two games in double a something like that um people were even shouting like i want to see schemes before the end of the year i'm like sure i understand he's kind of more put together and ready to pitch uh than anyone else there's no reason in my view for the pirates to push him into the rotation out of camp sure they don't have anything at the moment i imagine um i'm recording this at the end of november i imagine by you know at some point they're going to get like jose arena or something like that to fill in some of the spots here, which would mean that Paul Skeens is not in the rotation out of camp. 
Uh, why, why start his arbitration clock when the Pirates are just so bad at the moment? There's no reason to do that. Now, the actual skill set of Skeens, it's obviously appealing because he throws upper 90s. He has kind of a flat arm angle, so that should make his four-seamer look more uh, devastating up in the zone. And it's a big breaking ball that I'm sure is going to miss a ton of bats. Um, I don't really know much more than that. Uh, I know there's a sinker involved here, but really this is just like four-seamer sinker. Um, actually, yeah, just, just, just call it fastball slider. The... Uh, the problem I see is I don't really love his mechanics. Um, I think he's more of a slinger and uh, kind of violent in his um, release than I would want. I, I I just have a little bit of questions about the long-term impact of Paul Skeens. That said, the second that Skeens shows up, yeah, you're going to add him to your teams. I don't think you should stash him because I think there are going to be so many good prospects to pick up this year that if you don't get Paul Skeens, you'll get someone else. And you want to have your hand in too many pots in April to invest a full month into Paul Skeens whenever that arrives. I mean, let's say you had Brandon fought last year. That kind of idea, in my view, of just there was no reason to do that one. Just wait. It's okay. And uh, if someone wants to draft Paul Skeens at the end of the draft, by all means, go for it. If he's confirmed to be in the rotation, yeah, that makes a lot more sense. If you want to take him at the very end in case that the Pirates actually are talking about doing it, fine. My bet is that they won't. If I'm running the Pirates, I'm not. There's really, again, no reason to say like, no, we just got to see how he handles AAA and see if there's anything wrong with that. And that makes all the sense. And there's no reason to rush this. But yeah, with the second the Paul Skins shows up, we will care about that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just have a little bit of worry about the consistency of his mechanics. And if it actually kind of sparks injury, it's not really that smooth it's a little bit too much closed and cross body um and a little bit weird with the bending of the back and all this kind of stuff that just doesn't quite work for me but then there's one other guy that I didn't really know about and uh Jared Jones is I think pretty dang exciting I I worry that he could be a cherry bomb but when he had his successful starts in AAA he was on the back of his four-seamer sitting 96. In other games, he was at 90. I think it was one game was like 94 and change. Another one was at 95. It was really more than 95, I should say. Um, and the bad games were when he wasn't going upstairs. But when Jared Jones was able to actually sit upstairs, I mean, he had a game, I think it was nine whiffs with his four-seamer because he just was high lock the entire time, high locations. And then he has a really good slider. Now, this slider isn't as pristine location-wise. Again, it's very simple. If you look at strike zone plots, you just go and say, okay, do they have red in the upper third for four seamers? And then are the yellow, <laughs> the sliders, um, are they down into the right if they're a right-hander and down to the left if they're a left-hander? Um, you want to see down to the right. And if you, I mean, that's fine if you're inside the zone, but if you see anything that is up into the left, that is kind of the worry for me because that means you are really inconsistent in your timing to be so far off from them that you are opening up your shoulder too quickly and that thing is sputtering out. Um, I really hate seeing that when I see breaking balls from guys, how many of them are way outside of the zone and up and also uh, arm side. And uh, Jared Jones had these really nice starts of sliders down and away, which was good. Um, sometimes in the zone too, that's fine with me. Just get over the zone. That's okay. Um, the changeup is still a very much a work in progress. The curve is a show me offering. There was one game he had six for nine uh, strikes with it, which is good. But yeah, really, fastballs upstairs, the number one thing I talk about, four-seamers upstairs, and Jones does that. 
Uh, and I think this is actually pretty cool with everyone focusing on skeins. Jared Jones pitched in AAA last year. So I imagine Jones will get the call before skeins for the Pirates. And I want him on my teams when that happens. I could absolutely grasp him having no command one game and some the next. I'm going to bank that when he has the adrenaline in his MLB debut, he will be good. And then the question is if he'll have it in his next start too. Uh, 96 Jared Jones is way different than 95 from the games that I saw in AAA. Um, but that is it for the Pirates. Uh, make sure you uh, subscribe, of course, to the Plus Pitch Podcast. I'm going to be doing these all through December. Also, if you have PL Pro, um, you have access to the articles that pair with this. So you can actually get all my words and access really quickly with every single rotation. If you prefer that instead of a podcast, uh, you get the video of each guy. You get tables and stuff. You get a much better outline of everybody for f- future reference to As I go through all 30 teams, I'm going to have written words on all 30 of them before my top 300s. Essentially a preview, early access to that top 300. Um, And uh, it's not really the ranking, but it's my analysis of all the players, which honestly is way more important than the ranking. So I go and sign up for PL Pro. We have some exciting things with a possible lifetime subscription coming out later in December. So be on the lookout for that. Um, It's the number one way to support us. And uh, I'm really excited to... To have lifetime members that just we know are our true community and those that are going to support us thick and thin throughout the years. Because if you guys know me, I'm not leaving here. My whole goal is to do this for my entire life. So um, <laughs> we've got a lot ahead of us. And for those that want to be early adopters, that we have just a thing for you. And we'll have more to share about that soon. But right, that is it for today. Thank you all so much for listening. So my name is Nick Pollock. And may your babbits be low and your strikeouts high.